Welcome, everybody, to the Grueling Truths NFL Legends Show, brought to you by Gridiron Mo and Replenishing Technologies. Make sure you check them both out on the Internet. You can get both of their links on our website, www.thegrillingtruth.net. I'm your host for the Legends Show, Mike Goodpaster, and our guest today played quarterback in the NFL for a decade, was a Pro Bowler in 1986 for the Washington Redskins. Help me welcome Jay Schrader to the show. How you doing, Jay? I'm doing great, Mike. Glad to be with you. Oh, thanks for coming on. Um, a little research I did on you, because you were playing, I mean, I think I was in high school when you were playing back 85, 86, but the one thing I forgot, I remembered you played at UCLA, but I, I forgot about the baseball. Um, you want to start us off talking about growing up as a kid? I mean, which was your first love, baseball or football? That's an easy question. That's My first love was baseball. My growing up, uh, watched the big red machine, Johnny Bench was my idol, um, so me too. I ever, yeah, that's all I ever wanted to do. So that's all I ever did was catch all the way up through, and then um, got drafted by Toronto, and they put me in the outfield. So go figure. <laughs> well, the question is this though: you got drafted by Toronto, look like in '79. Were you drafted out of high school? I was drafted right out of high school. I was the third player picked in the first round. Okay, but you chose to go to UCLA for two years, correct? Before that. Well, I'm one of those guys that got the NCAA rule change where you could be a professional in one sport and an amateur in another. So I stayed. I went to UCLA, played my freshman year, played in two games uh, off the bench my freshman year, went through spring ball, left school to go play professional baseball for the entire summer, uh, and then came back to UCLA to play my sophomore season um, there. And then after that, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays, about halfway through my sophomore season, uh, Pat Gillick was the GM. He called me up and said, hey, uh, we're not too excited about you playing that football thing. I said, well, I'm kind of having fun doing it. And, you know, we were having some success and everything else. And he said, well, we want to bring you to big league camp and put you on big league roster. I said, I'll be there. So I left school and went and played minor league baseball full time and was on big league roster after that. So as a 19-year-old kid, I was on my way to try to fulfilling my dream. Yeah, and, I mean, you were drafted ahead of guys like Andy Van Slyke, Tim Wallach, so we know you definitely could play some baseball. Um, so what was the time like in the minor leagues? Was it like Bull Durham or what? <laughs> uh, it was, yeah, it was unique. Uh, my first year when I went up uh, in between, I left UCLA. I went up to Medicine Hat, Alberta, Canada. We were on a 1965 Greyhound bus, and we had, you know, we had to come down into Butte, Montana, Idaho Falls, Idaho, some beautiful country, but when you're riding on a 65 Greyhound bus and, you know, it takes you 10 to 12 hours to get there, it's it's a grind. Yeah, so um, what made you decide to go back the football route? And, and my big question is, everything is a lot bigger now than what it was back then. How did you go about getting back on NFL teams' radars with workouts or what? Yeah, what I did is I decided that uh, baseball, I had I had changed positions. I played the outfield, so I played all three outfield positions, and they tried to make me a third baseman. I played a little first base, then I caught for a little while, which was my natural position. And then they wanted me to pitch my last year, and I decided I didn't want to do that. So I decided that, hey, maybe I'll try to give football a shot. So I called my old college coach and uh, through Homer Smith at UCLA, the late Homer Smith, uh, he wrote all 28 or 30 NFL teams at that point, I should say, and 
Uh, I ended up doing individual workouts, never went to a combine or anything else. So I worked out for every team individually and ended up getting drafted in the third round by Washington after being out of football for four years. All right. And from what I read, Bobby Bethard was instrumental in bringing you on there? Yeah, Bobby Bethard was one of the – he came out. I probably threw for Bobby three or four times. Coach Gibbs came out a number of times. Um, I knew the I knew the Redskins and the Raiders were very intent because they could throw the ball down the field. So uh, I knew they they were excited about it. And it was just a matter of who was going to take the take the chance, and uh, Bobby did, and, and I was very grateful for that. All right. So were you excited about going to Washington? I know they had Joe Theismann there at the time, but he was getting up there in age. So was there excitement there? Were you a little worried because Theismann was already there? Or? Well, I wasn't worried that Theismann was there, but then when I got there, they ended up signing Jim Hart. Um, he came on for my first year, my rookie year. Jim Hart was actually the backup quarterback. In, yeah, he was like 40 years old there, wasn't he? He played like 16 yeah, or 17 was, years he, for the Cardinals. Yeah, he was in his last year, but uh, he said, you know, he wanted to go somewhere where they had a chance to win a championship because he never had that opportunity. And um, so, But I was there, and at the time, you have to remember, the rosters were – the smaller rosters back then, so most teams just carried two quarterbacks, and Washington elected to carry three, and they had Babe Laufenberg and Bob Holly were also there who had been around. So I was the new kid in town, and uh, so I was very fortunate to um, be able to stick on and get things rolling there. So when you get there, you've got a guy that's established like Thyssen, a guy that's established like Hart. Were those guys that helped you? or Jim Hart, I mean, it, yes. Go ahead. Jim Hart Jim Hart was a tremendous help. Uh, I I owe Jim a lot. He was he taught me how to be a professional quarterback for being around. Um, Joe was Joe at the time. Um, you know he had a lot of things going on, but Jim, uh, I'm very appreciative for everything that Jim Hart did for me. All right, and your coach there was Joe Gibbs, um, one of the most innovative offensive coaches in NFL history. What was your relationship like with Coach Gibbs? That was good. Uh, you know, I was very fortunate. Coach Gibbs was there. He taught me a lot about the game. Jerry Rome was our quarterback coach. Uh, spent, uh, you know, just about every day with Jerry because we we're Coach Gibbs's philosophy was the starters start in practice, and he expects them to play. So the backups had to go do their own thing uh, and just be ready. And they were expected to play like starters when they had the opportunity. And uh, so I threw, you know, millions of passes to Jerry Rome on the other field. Uh, yeah, so I owe him a lot. All right, now, I think everybody in the whole world knows about your first appearance in an NFL game. You had the Monday night football game in 85 against the Giants where Theismann goes down with a broken leg on a hit from LT. What was going through your mind at that point? I mean, you're running on an NFL field on Monday night football against Lawrence Taylor and the New York Giants. Don't get hurt because there was no other quarterback on the on the road. <laughs> that was it. Uh, I had to figure out a way to get through two and a half quarters of football after watching Lawrence Taylor. And believe it or not, it was, it was, it was funny because when Joe first went down, I had to go find my helmet because I had never put on a helmet during a game. So, uh, you know, I had to go find my helmet first, but it took him quite a while to get Joe off the field. I was actually calm. I was excited about the opportunity, but I was calm. I was just, I guess that's just kind of my nature. And, uh, uh, I was excited about that. And then once the game started, you know, once he took that first snap and things got going, uh, things were good. Um, I still remember, you know, that first catch that Art made down the sidelines. It's uh, 
it helps a lot when a guy can make a diving catch like that. It kind of changes the entire perception of your teammates. And uh, we just took off from there, and very fortunate they ended up winning that game. Yeah, and I would think, actually, that's probably the best way to make your appearance, just all of a sudden you're going in instead of being told a week ahead of time. Yeah, you know, I didn't have any time to think about it. You know, I had, what, 20 minutes for them to take Joe off the field to think about it, and that's really not a lot of time. So, uh, you know, you just kind of go in there. And uh, I still remember going in at halftime and Coach Gibbs coming up to me and going, okay, what do we need? What do you feel good about in the plays, you know, in the playbook for this week, you know, the game plan and all that? I said, run whatever we got to do to win the game. Let's go. And, uh, and we ended up, you know, doing some good things and ended up winning that game that Monday night. All right, so, so you finished that season. I think you guys went 4-1 and one with you starting. But four and you one, five, came up like yeah, yeah, you came up short. I think you guys were 10-6, and six, missed the playoffs. You go to the 1986 season, though where you really proved yourself. You threw for over 4,000 yards, ended up being a pro bowler. The Redskins go 12-4. and four. Talk to us a little bit about that season and just what you remember from it. Uh, it's just a phenomenal season. It, uh, it was a season where we had a football team for a couple of years that was the best I've ever been around in the fact that it really didn't matter who made plays, how plays were made, offense, defense, special teams. It was a team, and everybody just wanted to win games. Uh, it was so much fun to play on, so much fun to play in the old RFK Stadium. Uh, it's just phenomenal teammates. Uh, and just, you know, when I look back, I had Art Monk, Ricky Sanders, Gary Clark, Clint Didier. I mean, come on. You know, who could not have success when you throw the ball to those guys? Yeah. And then defensively, you got guys like Daryl Green. I mean, it's a loaded team. They go in. You guys went into yeah. Chicago, upset that Bears team that was supposed to run through everybody again. Uh, you want to talk about that a little bit? And just um, talk about playing against that Bears defense. Well, you know, I, you know, it's good and bad. I, I came through that NFC at the wrong time because back then, you know, they made the schedules if you were a good team. Uh, your out-of-conference schedule was playing the other good teams. So it seemed like we played the Bears all the time. We always played the 49ers in Montana. And then, of course, you had the Giants. You had the Eagles with Reggie White. You got Dallas. I mean, it was just no fun to be in that league at that point in time. So every week was a unique challenge. And I think that made it even more fun and made it even more exciting for me to go out and have to know that, you know, one week – you know, you're going into Philadelphia, and Buddy's blitzing you as soon as you get off the bus. So, you know, somebody's coming to hit you, and you got to find the open guy, and then you got to go up and play the Bears defense, and then you go play LT and Harry Carsons and Harry Reasons and those guys, and you're just like, it just makes it fun, and it makes it a challenge to see if you can compete at that high level. Yeah, you guys ended up running into the Giants in a windstorm, basically, in the championship game. Um, what are your memories about that game? Well, I remember about the first three quarters, and then I got knocked out. I played the rest of the game, but I got knocked out. Uh, I was actually passed out in the locker room for about an hour and a half after that game due to a concussion. So uh, I don't remember much of the fourth quarter. I just remember that it was very windy. Uh, we had some opportunities to, to make some plays, and it just wasn't our night. We, uh, you know, we lost four or five games that whole year. We lost to the Cowboys by one point. We lost three times to the Giants. So uh, we just couldn't get over that hump against them. But right, so you, got to the pro, you went to the Pro Bowl after the 86 season. What was that experience like? I think the game was slightly more serious back then at least, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, you know, I had, 
I took the Pro Bowl, and it was just phenomenal. You know, I go out there, and I was just a young kid, naive, didn't really know what was going on. And next thing you know, I'm handing the ball to Walter Payton in practice, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. What am I doing on this football field? So, uh, you know, just to be around those guys and to be recognized as having, you know, that kind of a season is phenomenal. But right, yes, you get the Go ahead, sorry I'm sorry, go ahead, Mike. Oh, go ahead. I interrupted you, Jay. No, I just said the game was a lot more serious back then, and, uh, you know, we – it, uh, I don't, I don't think it would take much. I don't think it would take much to be more serious back then than it is now, Jay. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's kind of a touch I football would... game nowadays. But I, I, yeah. and I think I would think that that money meant a lot more to the players, the winner or loser share back in the mid '80s, than it does now when guys are making, you know, ten times that in a regular season game anyway. Well, I'll tell you what really meant more was was the week of being together with guys from around the league. Just the fact that we could all say, I mean, you know, everybody's got their own thing now. But back then, everybody hung out together. I still remember being at, the, you know, the Hilton Hawaiian Village, and our entire team is around the is around the pool, just having a good time. And I mean, you you got everybody from the NFC East teams, and everybody, you know, that knocking their heads around all all year long, you know, playing each other, and we're just having a good time. It was a lot of fun to get to know people off the field. All right, so we get to the 87 season. You'd had a great season in 1986. I'm sure that you were pumped up for that season. You get hurt the first game, and not just get hurt the first game, but then there's a player strike. You want to talk to us a little bit about that time? Yeah, it was really tough. I got hurt the first game. I got sacked. Reggie White got me, and I separated my right shoulder, and uh, uh, so that kind of put a damper on the way the season started, and I really worked hard, and I probably shouldn't have come back as fast as I did. And we came back and just struggled through the rest of the year. And Doug and I went back and forth. One guy would get hot, another guy would come in and play well, and just kind of went back and forth and uh, came down to the playoff time. Doug ended up playing. But we had such a good football team. It was just fun to be around. And um, guys that were just phenomenal players, you know, on both sides of the ball. Yeah, and then you get to the Super Bowl, and Doug goes down with an injury. You have to come in for a couple plays. I mean, did you realize when you come in for that first play that, you know, Doug's probably going to be back, or were you thinking, oh, this is my show now? You, you really don't know. Um, but people ask me all the time, but Doug and I had been going back and forth all year because, you know, I hurt my shoulder. Doug went in, played a little bit. I Doug was in. He got hurt. I went back in. I got banged up again. He kept, I mean, we just kept going back and forth. And so it really wasn't anything new. And, uh, but, you know, Doug was out there playing and he was playing so well. I knew that if he could get back in the game, he was coming back in and he did. And, you know, man, you look back on it and what a game. We, uh, you know, Denver had no match for anything we were doing. We had guys running all over the field wide open. And, you know, Timmy Smith is a his one and only start in the NFL and goes off for 200 yards, it was a phenomenal game. Yeah, and I mean, I think that that just showed the difference in the 80s between the AFC and the NFC, which was huge, the difference between the two. Because you guys go the week before and you play an uh, 8-7 and seven Minnesota team in a 7-10-7 or 10 to seven game. I think the NFC was so dominant over the AFC other than maybe the early 80s Raiders and that Bengals team of 88. Every other Super Bowl was a blowout. Um, 
you get to the 88 season, I just talk a little bit about it. And how did Joe Gibbs handle you with the Doug Williams situation in the 88 season? Well, that was, that was a tough spot for everybody because back then you just didn't trade players. Uh, there wasn't, you know, free agency was just being talked about and just, you, you just didn't trade players. And I remember so many times Bobby Bester would look at me, we'd be in his office and he would look at me and he goes, you don't trade a quarterback that can play. That's just stupid. You just don't do that. And that was the way it was back then. Nobody, you know, got traded. So it, it took a long time to get it done. And I remember going to the first week of the season, we were playing, uh, our schedule was we were playing the Giants on Monday night. And so we were doing our, our practice at, you know, our facility there in Washington. And we go in and all of a sudden Gibbs calls me in and he says, hey, you're not making the trip. And I was like, am I being traded or what? He says, I can't tell you. Well, I didn't get a call until about 1 a.m. from uh, Mr. Davis saying the trade had happened. So, you know, I get a call at 1 a.m. I'm on a flight at 8 a.m. I do a press conference at 6.30 at the Skins, and I was off and running to L.A. So it was a long process, but it was a unique process because it just never happened at that point in time. So I assume that you were excited about uh, about the move? Yeah, I was. I mean, you know, I was, you know, I went through training camp and, you know, the whole thing was, you know, you're going to get a shot. Well, you really never got a shot. And so I was frustrated at that. And, you know, I probably didn't handle it very well, which I look back on. I could probably do a lot of things a lot better. But uh, I had the opportunity to go out and play in L.A. And, um, you know, we had some very good football teams out there. We just couldn't get to the, the very top. We got to, you know, championship game. But, here again, then we ran into, you know, a Buffalo team that had been very good for a long time. Yeah, and you talked about Al Davis. What was your relationship like with Mr. Davis? Uh, I had a good relationship with Mr. Davis. Um, you know, it's it's funny. He was – everybody looks at him as an owner that meddles, but you have to realize he was a coach. Um, yeah, he knew he, what he was he, doing. He knew what he was doing. And, uh, Until the last so decade yeah. or so, I think he got a little senile then, Jay. Yeah, you know, and there's, you know – and, you know, to be truthful, you're out on the field and all of a sudden you're getting, you know, notification that certain plays are coming down from up top and you got to try to decipher them and figure them out and run them. And, you know, but you knew they were, where they were coming from. But, you know, during the week he was great and he treated his players fantastically and uh, he just got to be a little eccentric. And, you know, I think that happens to all of us, I would believe. So when you got there in 88, I think Mike Shanahan had just taken over as one of the youngest coaches in NFL history. Um, what was that short period of time like? Well, I thought it was great. I mean, I still remember we were out in practice, and here I am. We're, we're out there, and I'm thinking, okay, I got Marcus Allen. We got Bo Jackson coming in. We're going to run the West Coast offense. I get to throw swings and passes and stuff to the, the backs coming out of the backfield. What else could a quarterback want, right? I mean, you got two guys that can take it to the house anytime you get on the ball. And uh, we were out at practice one time, and, you know, you know how DBs play during seven-on-seven. Seven. Everybody backs up, and you got to throw it underneath. So I probably threw three or four in a row to the backs. And Mr. Davis stopped practice, and he said, I can't throw to the backs anymore. i got to throw the ball down the field. And Mike Shanahan and I just looked at each other. We couldn't say anything. We were just like, Okay. <laughs> So it's the style that he wanted to play. So, you know, we ended up chucking the ball down the field to Tim Brown, Marvin Fernandez, and Willie Galt. So 
It is it is it is what it is. But a question there is this: If you want to do that, why do you have Bo Jackson and Marcus Allen together in the backfield to begin with? That's that was always the big question. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I think we know why Mike Shanahan was gone. Then um, you go to the '90 season. Art Shell's the coach then. Um, you want to take us through that year? I mean, you guys ended up you beat the Bengals in the playoffs. I think 20 to 10 came up. We'll say short against Buffalo, but I mean that had to be a great year for you too. It was. It was a great year. We had a we had a phenomenal football team, and uh, you know that playoff game is where Bo got hurt, where he hurt his hip, and um, that was very unfortunate. Uh, and then we ran into a buzzsaw. We just fell apart that next week in in Buffalo, uh, playing in the cold weather. But uh, a phenomenal football team, great bunch of guys, and uh, you know some of those guys on those teams. Or you know, Hall of Fame guys that uh, you just realize were exceptional football players. You know, I I played against Marcus in college, and then I got a chance to play with him. And all the little things that he did, he was just such a good football player, all around football player, and just a phenomenal running back on top of that. But I mean, he could do whatever you asked him to do on the football field; he would do it, and he was excellent at doing all of it. All right, but then the next year you get the 1991 season. And even though you guys go to the championship game, I think that wasn't that the year that they drafted Todd and Marinovich. Yeah, they ended up drafting Todd, and uh, you know, it's just a lot of things that uh, yeah, a lot of things are unexplainable when you look back and try to figure out, you know, why certain people get to do certain things, and it was just a struggle from the very beginning. And um, you know, it is what it is. I I look back, I played 11 years in the NFL, and. Uh, I got a Super Bowl ring, been to some championship games, got to play with some phenomenal people, got to meet some phenomenal people. It's all been great. I can't can't complain at all. Yeah, I mean, would, would you change anything or just go with the way it happened? Because, I mean, the thing that would get me if I'm you is it seems like every time you get some traction, then something not of your doing would take you yeah, down. You know, it, that's correct. And, that, you know, that's just life. Um, sometimes you you get those situations and you go. Other times you, you look around and it seems like guys get handed stuff. But that's okay. I think it made me a better person in the long run. I think I'm better for it now, and uh, I can't complain. I I got to play two sports for a living for a total of 15 years. I think there would be a lot of people that would take that. Oh, most definitely. Um, plus, you got a Super Bowl ring. Heck, Dan Marino didn't have a Super Bowl ring, Jay. Yeah, I got a Super Bowl ring, so I'm one of those select few and. Uh, it's funny because people ask me all the time, well, you were just the backup quarterback. I go, well, you might want to go back and look at that because uh, I got I played a lot that year and I felt like it was a valuable part of that team because I uh, ended up winning a lot of games that year for that team. Yeah. Um, so when did you know it was time to hang it up? Well, I had, you know, I had a couple of things. I was getting banged up. I, I never kind of let on to people what was actually going on. My knees, I had – number of knee surgeries, both my shoulders, I had had, you know, work done on that. And then uh, my middle son had had some medical issues uh, for a couple of years, and I just thought it was time to, to hang it up and be at home and be with my family. All right, so was the transition of being a professional athlete to just being a dad, was that hard to make for you? It's very hard. It, uh, people don't realize when you compete at that level uh, and then all of a sudden you abruptly stop, it's it's hard to do. You got to find something to fill your time. And uh, I was fortunate, you know. He had, I didn't know what I wanted to do, and uh, 
So I spent the first couple of years just kind of volunteering, and I ended up looking at myself going, I'm busier now than ever I was than playing football because you're doing so much. And it's all good stuff, but you have to limit your time, and you learn that over time. It's like everything else, you learn and grow. And, uh, you know, now I, I, gr- I feel great. Uh, I'm doing well. I'm enjoying what I'm doing now. I sell a, a new turf field without any of the crumb rubber for a company called First Form, and we're getting started out on the West Coast. It's been on the East Coast. So uh, some exciting stuff. It's, uh, the new technology is great, and I'm looking forward to where it takes us. Oh, sounds great. Hey, it was great having you on the show today, Jay. Thanks, Mike. And we would love to have you back anytime you want to come back. And I, I still, I think we could do like a three-hour show on the 1993 Bengals, Jay. We probably could. So uh, anytime you you want me, you just let me know. All right. Thanks a lot, Jay. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. All right, guys, make sure you check out replenishingcaretechnologies.com. Make sure you check out gridarmo.com. You can hear all our shows on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Google Music. Anywhere you find sports podcasts, you'll find The Grueling Truth. So for Jay Schrader, I'm Mike Goodpastor. You've been listening to The Grueling Truth.